Hi, I'm Molly Darling. And I'm Christian Rivera. And you're listening to Behind the Studio Door podcast, where we take a glimpse behind the curtain of working creative professionals in Rochester, New York, both their physical process as well as a peek into some of the internal processes that get them where they're trying to go. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Behind the Studio Door podcast. I'm so excited for our guest today. What do you think, Christian? Me too. Super excited. (laughs) Today we have local recording artist, musician, and multi-talented in many ways individual, Sally Louise. Welcome to the show, Sally. Hi, guys. (laughs) Good to have you here, especially as our first guest. This is really exciting. I'm just, I'm giddy with excitement. Oh, good. I'm giddy too. I'm giddy because I've just been going for way too long today. (laughs) (laughs) I also have had far too much coffee today. So my whole body is just like vibrating. Coffee and chocolate. I'm at that level of exhaustion where you get delusional with how much you can do. Where you're Uh like, I I can, I'm still awake. I can do whatever. I can do anything. Yeah. <laughs> like no, I need to sleep. But we'll get home and like sleep real good. Oh today. yeah. It's like a toddler. Oh, yeah. It's the toddler part of us that feels like we're invincible, oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden we're just spinning in circles <laughs> like a helicopter, and then we just fall asleep in the middle of the kitchen floor. Yep. Yeah. And then yeah. we're on the ground. And then we're on the ground. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly uh-huh. it. That's exactly it. So I'm excited to talk to you, and I want to get right into it. So we've been talking to, or we will be talking to, starting with you, all the creative professionals that we can in Rochester, mm-hmm. talking about your creative process and so I'd love for you to start with a little introduction like who are you what do you do what should we know about yeah. Sally Louise start with your social security number <laughs> <laughs> um, for those listening at home Christian's pointing gun uh, pointing a gun at my head um, <laughs> yes you cannot prove anything but yes <laughs> this just is a mess around so I'm Sally hi uh, I am a singer-songwriter and and mainly vocalist. Uh, I am a vocal teacher. I perform with me and my guitar. I perform with various bands around town. And I'm, I'm more of a session musician uh, in that way. I get hired to do, you know, tribute bands or weddings or whatever. Whatever someone needs a vo- Whenever someone needs a vocalist, I'm there. Um, words are really hard today, guys. Just putting that out there. Right. They're generally difficult. Yes. We're great. Ask yes. a two-year-old. Words are hard. <laughs> yeah, words are hard. Um, I started doing my singing stuff with, uh, well, really, as a kid, I, I was encouraged to do a lot of instrumentation things. Instrumentation. Guys, yeah. I am things so tired. <laughs> things with music and notes generally yes. and singing. Generally did you did you start singing when you were younger or was uh, that something that, that was more of like later? a fun thing as a kid, but um, songwriting happened when I was in middle school. Okay. And then uh, in high school I started taking voice lessons actually like seriously with someone and uh, I found out through that that I really liked opera and uh, which is so niche. I was like the weird kid that not only knew exactly what they wanted to do, but they picked like the most like obscure, also most expensive thing you could possibly study. Um, <laughs> like, I Mommy, like, I would like to be an opera singer. <laughs> and my parents were like, oh, this is a phase. And I go, oh, oh contraire. <laughs> Did you sing it though? Oh, contraire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. It was a multi-decade phase. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing though, when it's something that specialized mm-hmm. and it, I think it says something about somebody's personality where they're like, yep, it's locked in. This specialized thing is the way that my brain works. And sometimes it's not even one thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I just love specificity. I love the, because there's such a, there's such a, you know, it, it has a certain feel, even if, you know, the different styles, but there's this range of, hey, this is what this is. I understand it. Yeah. And it clicks with me. Yeah. It's a nice little niche to, to know very mm-hmm. deeply and well. Um, but I did that for about 10 years and I got like a degree and a half out of it and lived in Germany doing it and came back. Um, what brought me out to Rochester was Eastman, of course, and I'm a proud Eastman dropout. Uh, and after that first year, uh, the pandemic hit and that was just one more reason why it was not a good fit for me. Uh, so I just decided to drop out completely and pursue music in a different capacity, which was songwriting, which I had done since med- middle school, right? And finally, all these songs just had kind of were flowing out of me after years of not writing anything. And 
uh, accidentally wrote an album. Whoops. And then, it happens to all, it, all, of, all of us. I know, just every yeah. so often an That's album just no, falls out. Just I'm funny. on my way to go brush my teeth and then an album <laughs> okay, happens. It just came out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I had to write a few like versions of it. So like I've, ha- I've written, I wrote an album and then I started recording it. I was like, this is not it. And I wrote it again and recorded that. And that ended up being my first album. Um, and I had to re-record it twice because I was putzing around on GarageBand. I didn't know anything about microphones, which we were talking about before we started oh. recording this. But um, going from opera, which is totally, you know, self-produced, projected, acoustically, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. who needs a microphone when you can sing over a hundred-piece orchestra, right? <laughs> right. Um, but... Then all of a sudden I was like, wow, this thing is really touchy and I have no idea how to work it. And um, it was a great COVID project to have. Um, and once it, once it was published, um, right before and right after it was published, in the months before and after, I got fired from like two different jobs. Like, And I felt like that was just the sign from the universe. Like you should just be a goddamn musician already. <laughs> uh, so that's what I did. Uh, and I've been freelance for a little over two years now, which I'm so grateful for. Um, but it's certainly hasn't been easy, but I've learned a lot and I've figured out the twists and turns of where I want my career to go. Mm-hmm. And I'm currently in one of those twists and turns where I'm pivoting into a different direction and taking a step back from gigging, taking a step back from um, doing a lot of social media things and just trying to recoup and figure out the next steps, which the path is not clear, but the de- des- the destination is clear. Right. Um, you have like a direction. Yeah. And, you know, at exactly. least you're heading. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so right now I've just been um, I, I've been in what I would consider like songwriting hibernation um, or artist hibernation where I'm just putting my artistic creative energy elsewhere so that way my songwriting and performing energy can be refueled, mm-hmm. which I think is just, I think it's just a healthy habit to have is to cycle mm-hmm. um, creatively. If you're just going on your A game all the time, you're just never going to, you know, Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought that up, actually, especially because we're going into the winter months, literally seasonally. And I always joke about how Rochester has so many artists because we have such a long winter. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, yep, we have nine months of winter. And so, of course, we have a lot of artists because we just make stuff while we winter. But like as an artist and a creative in general, it's so I've noticed over the years that I've practiced myself that it's like it's an ebb and flow Mm -hmm. and you can't be peak producing all the time it literally is like if you look at a tree it's got a fruiting season that's you know two months tops right and then the rest of the time it's like root work and it's growth work and it's Mm -hmm. replenishment and it's like Mm -hmm. I feel like social media makes it really hard for artists to feel like they can take a break and so I'm glad that you are taking that break yeah and you know it's certainly I I don't feel bad about it at all either because it's not like I was at least at this point of this recording, it's not like I have a million followers. It's got like 1,800 followers or something. And so I'm like, it's been plateaued at that for like two years now. I'm just not, (laughs) I'm not growing crazy fast. And so I was like, what am I doing? I feel like I'm shouting into a void and no one's listening. So until I have something valuable to say, I'm just not going to do this anymore because it's draining. Um, And it's been very helpful not to do that. And just regrouping and, and figuring out what, kind of show I want to make what kind of music I want to make and right now I have like a bank of recordings that I'm just sitting on Mm. um and in 2024 they'll all start releasing starting in January um but until then I'm just kind of prepping that because I don't want to just release this stuff either I think this is the other aspect of being an artist in this day and age is once you release something whether that's music or a a collection or whatever you don't want to just be like oh I have this thing everyone look at it cool um or everyone listen Uh, no one's gonna listen or no one's gonna look at it unless you like have a little extra momentum so I'm kind of I think of it as like setting up like my Mario Kart racetrack with like Mm -hmm. little zoomy like ramps um I need (laughs) a few of those you know (laughs) so that's um that's that's where I'm at yeah I'm, I'm curious about uh like what what defines this pivot for you? Like what is something that is 
like what triggered this pivot or where is, Oh I guess, yeah. yeah, I, I guess how, how would you define that? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That initially I was like, Whoa, what is defining this pivot? That's a good question. <laughs> but what started it was, um, okay. So for those who are not musicians or maybe those who are musicians, um, there's a high season and low season. Um, you got summertime is the high season and you are gigging all the time. You are performing all the time, you know, festivals, whatever. Um, and that's when I make the most money. And in June, I was like, this year has been particularly hard, like for everyone. Uh, and people just aren't feeling rich. People aren't feeling like live music is, feels like a luxury to people. Um, even going out for a beer feels like a luxury to people. So um, I know that's just affected everyone. Uh, but it just felt particularly disheartening when I was doing gig after gig in June and they were still they were not nearly as much as the year previous where I was like wow by this time I should have been like really like I should have had this many gigs or like you know this much money or whatever measurement you want to use of you know where am I in my year and I got to this gig and I felt like even the gigs that I did have no one was really listening at all or there weren't very many people I felt like I was just playing to like kind of an empty space and the people who were there were like sitting miles away from me <laughs> and yeah. it just sucked and uh there is a give and take with art uh with music specifically uh you have the energy of the audience that you feed off of and and when you don't have that it's really disheartening it makes you feel like okay this is just another practice session with myself like mm-hmm. <laughs> when am I going to have people that who are going to enjoy this and I can interact with there is an energy exchange and it got to a point where I was at this venue and and it was you know, really slow going. It was a three hour set, which is just insanely long. I'm so done with three hours. Such sets. a long, <laughs> um, such a long I, time. I, to I, be that was a, yeah. yeah. So three three hours. Um, and Dang. in the first hour, there were like two people that showed up halfway in that first hour, and I just I heard the little voice in the back of my hat, head for the first time scream, "I quit!" Mm. Since oh. starting freelancing and I was like oh no (laughs) oh no when that little voice starts piping up um because that's what happened with opera Mm -hmm. it was like I quit I'm done I'm really done and I was like I got two more hours to go oh no (laughs) like (laughs) I have all these gigs booked this summer oh no how am I gonna make money how am I gonna live how am I gonna do this um and I was so sad like doing that and it did turn around at the very last hour there were like three old guys who showed up they were just they they clearly were doing it for pleasure but apparently they were in a band and they had just played like a fun little private party or something and they came to this place to have a beer and hang out and um they were really intently listening and we were interacting I felt like I was just giving a concert to them even though other people had shown up and they were just kind of in different corners of the place it was just really nice to have that interaction so it was just like I quit, but also, like, I need to just redefine what's going on because it's still really good when it is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the summer, it was very stressful. I felt like I had to really die. A part of myself had to die mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and in order to redefine that creative path and figure out what the next step was. And now I have um, – I, I can say this. There's a lot of things under wraps that I can't really say. And I've made a lot of things in this year that I – can't say until they've released yeah. but i really want to talk about them <laughs> so so Ooh, i'll stay s- tuned folks i know yeah maybe you'll have to have you back on and talk about yeah, them when absolutely. they release but um awesome, yeah, yeah um but i know that um oh man what was the thing i was gonna talk about <laughs> well i mean basically we were talking about like what i'm picking up from what you're saying is that mm-hmm. there is this almost like redefinition of expectations. Mm, totally. Because like when you were first telling your story, one of the first questions I wanted to ask was like, was there a rock star ideal in there? Like, or was it always about opera and that version of the rock star ideal? It it was and, never really like the, so to me, the idea of fame feels almost like a necessity in order to make it in this in this industry but the more I do it the more I'm like I don't need to be super famous or anything to actually make it I'm currently making it as a musician technically like being able to live of course I want to grow and I want to be able to like make more money have bigger a bigger fan base like have my music in in places that actually are influential Mm -hmm. of course but um for me like opera wasn't like 
I need to be the most glamorous. You know, when you think opera, I think people think of glamour and like these divas who walk around with like fur coats and like limousines and shit like that, you know, but that wasn't really what I was in it for. I loved it because I loved doing it and I loved the grandeur of the actual act of singing it. Opera takes the mundane and makes it so extra so (laughs) extra and like it's just about sex and power and uh that's pretty much opera that's it um and any opera it's gonna be like sex and power that's I mean, when you put it that way it feels like (laughs) belting at the top of your lungs is absolutely appropriate oh 100 100 (laughs) and uh i i love it uh i still have a love for it i have taken such a step back from it I don't feel connected to that world really anymore. Um, and there's aspects that I can connect to, but there's a lot of it that I'm like, mm, I think I just got burned a little too much. I, or I'm just, it's just too, there's still this bitterness there that I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't get involved with this. I still don't mind going to the opera, but doing an opera, I, st- I don't know how I did that. It's like three yeah. hours of singing in a foreign language and like interacting and acting on stage and it just it's the yeah. olympics of singing you know like it's like a totally different it's like you've switched energy frequencies in yeah. a way you know it's it was like, like too too frantic yeah. and for me and now i'm like i'm just hibernating and uh i feel like i'm a, a sponge right now i don't yeah. know if you feel that way too when you like go through those ebbs and flows mm-hmm. um creatively we're like right now i'm like soaking up all the information soaking up all the inspiration and then uh, one day it's like I, I get wrung out yeah. and I'm like, I need to just expel all this information <laughs> yeah, yeah. into songs right. or whatever. I've yeah, been, I was going to ask you about that. Ahead. Yeah, like the creative, like as, as far as the creative process and what creativity means to you, like how has that changed from, you know, what the process was like performing opera, mm-hmm. which I'm sure it sounds like from what you're saying, I'm hearing you really loved the process of yeah. doing the thing. And now you're in a different speed a different process of I mean you were gigging all summer and now you're really not but like how has that creative process evolved and changed for you over the last couple years yeah um I think with opera I also know a part of the reason why I went to opera um was it was a clear defined path Mm -hmm. and as Mm -hmm. someone who is inherently like I am an artist for sure and so are you guys right Mm -hmm. so it's like you get it where I remember my dad listens to this. I'm sorry. Um, I love my dad, but, sorry, and he dad. gives great advice. He really does. But as a high schooler, you know, you're talking to your parents about, you know, what do you want to be? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do? What's the path in life that you're going to go on or start out on? Right. Yeah. Um, and I remember going on a walk with him and he's like, you know, you, most of the population, you know, like 95% of the population can like do their day job and like do their art on the side. Um, and then there's a 5% that are artists that can't do anything else. They have to do their art. Mm-hmm. And you and I are in the majority. And I go, and, and I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then like, I felt like, uh-huh. I felt like I had to like come out to my parents as an artist. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so real though. Yeah. That's true, yeah. so real. You're like, I'm so sorry, but um, I'm actually an artist with a capital A, yeah. which means I'm not going to be satisfied being a plumber or, no. you know, whatever. Like, I'm so thankful that those people exist oh, because our world would not spin without them and I'm also like I'm not one of those people and I can't force myself to be well it's yeah it's fascinating because that's like that's the opposite like my wife and I were the were both sides of that Mm. so for me it's easy for me to turn off at the end of my work day and that helps facilitate a lot of the things I do Mm -hmm. um and uh like uh, she's uh, Carrie, she struggled uh, at crazy dude on Instagram. Like she struggled working a day job because she couldn't, she couldn't, she puts so much of everything she does. It's always so much of her. Yeah. Like there was, there's no chill. Like there's no chill about <laughs> what she does. Yeah, if she's yeah. there, she has to be really into it or it just feels wrong. Yeah. Uh, so she had to, she had to stop doing her day job and eventually started going into you know, during doing art full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it works because now she has her own downtime because she can recover in between conventions. She goes to conventions and sells and then comes back and can, you know, decompress and then work on the next thing and yeah. build up to the next thing instead of every day it's the next thing. And I'm a monster. Like it's easy for me to go to the next thing <laughs> because that's just what I do. I can yeah. just go like my day today is going to be, yeah, I don't know, 
15 hours straight oh, of work. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's like, it's great because we get to do these amazing things. We get to talk to amazing people yeah. and it's excellent. But there's so many different ways to attack being a creative. Mm -hmm. There's no one answer to right. how do you do this the right way? There is no right answer. No, right. you're totally right about that. Yeah, I think that's a th something that as artists with capital A's um, that we have to like find our community one and two, we have to like teach ourselves or teach, remind each other that we, it's okay to have that natural rhythm mm -hmm. of, you know, giving yourself mental spaciousness. Um, it's necessary in order to be an artist, in order to do what you do and create what you create um, and to s move cyclically mm -hmm. through the world where, you know, you have, periods of hibernation, periods of harvest and and growth and pruning and all that stuff, you know, whatever word you want to put to it. Right. But I definitely, um, when, when I heard that from my dad, you know, it was that little voice that just kind of like, no, <laughs> like <laughs> died inside a little bit. Um, and part of the reason why I went to Auburn to go back to um, that original question, it was, it was that set path. I didn't have to think about it. It would, kind of pleased my parents it was like the happy ground between what I love to do and something that's like I can reassure mom and dad it's going to be somewhat stable somewhat stable because like there's a clear path if I follow this path and I'm really good at what I do there's no way I can lose um yeah. and mm -hmm. which is not true but <laughs> I come to find out um I come to find yeah, out like lesson too yeah I mean I did a lot of like I realized when I was like taking it from my entrepreneurial spirit when I was living in Germany I was there to learn German in order to uh get a opera contract because the only way you get hired over there is if you know German um and, and you really you picked a real easy language to I learn know, coming from the, the U.S. Easiest language, yeah. <laughs> so um, few consonants yeah I know but you know what's funny is um to go on a side tangent it's actually a lot easier than you think because we have so many german words in english and there's so many cognates so you can understand a german without having to speak it if you really if you're like really listening like vos de toilette like where's yeah. the where's yeah. the bathroom like yeah. <laughs> it should make sense yeah. um anyway side tangent over but um <laughs> back to the main, main thing um it's it, it i realized when i got to eastman I had been going on that path. I'd been going, doing the thing. When I was in Germany, I was really there and, and doing cold calls and all that stuff. And I felt like when I got to Eastman and I had the name on the resume, because I went to a school with a name for a mm -hmm. reason, to get the connections, to get doors opened. You right. know, I went to a big school, like a, not a big school. It was, it's, there's only 15 of us in my class. I mean, it was, it's mm. highly competitive. Mm -hmm. And to get in, I can't believe I got in, but um, when I was there, I felt so confined and I felt like I was getting more rejection than ever before with this name on my resume. Mm -hmm. And I wanted, I, I, I hated how there was favoritism there and that there was favoritism in the industry, in, particularly in America on like, they wanted, uh, what I would say quantity of sound over quality of sound, like the opera singers that could literally blow your hair back just by s singing one note. Right. Mm -hmm. I can physically fill a room with sound no problem but i will not make your bones rattle you know mm -hmm. um i got like a high light voice and in germany in in italy in european countries that's what they want mm -hmm. they, that's why i went over there um and so i felt like well i don't want to live in europe right now i don't know if i'll ever want to live in europe because i just i'm so far from my family mm -hmm. um and living in rochester i'm already three thousand miles away from them because they're over in oregon mm -hmm. um so it just felt like i I finally got to a point I felt confined. I felt there was too much favoritism. It was too, too competitive. And I was working too damn hard and getting too many no's. It just felt like um, I felt like I was hitting my head against a wall. And I knew that things that are meant to be will flow. And it shouldn't be that hard. Um, and I was a hard worker. I am a hard worker. So mm -hmm. it, finally, I just it just clicked. What good is a performance degree if I can't perform? And so I decided to move in a different direction where, you know, fuck it. I'm going to make my own music and mm -hmm. do my own thing. Um, I can swear on this podcast, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I asked <laughs> for forgiveness yes. later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> shit, piss, fuck. Let's go. That too. Love his shit, piss, fuck. Let's go. Yeah. That's a mantra. I have to isolate that and put it on the board. Yes, put it on yes. the board. That's going to be part of the intro. Board. We're going to oh, build this no. fuck. Let's go. <laughs> It's going. Do you to want the another take? Intro. I love you it. Can't see it's me. shit, piss, fuck. Let's go. <laughs> All right, that's the last one. 
I'm going to have to start getting paid if I'm going to do any more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, too yeah. too many alternates. Too many alternates. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but like, to, uh, like a lot of what your <laughs> a lot of what your story is, and then also with Chris talking about how he can just go, 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 go. It's really interesting. Lately, I've come across this idea that like burnout is really a result of not making enough impact. Mm. And by impact, I don't mean like big picture change or anything, but it's like if you keep pressing a button over and over again and nothing happens, it's like, what the hell? Ship is fucked. Why is this button not working? Right? <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. And, and you just keep going over keep and going, over again. And you realize the button doesn't work anymore because it's like mm-hmm. not hooked up in the right way because it's not meant for you your wiring is meant for a different button you know you push a different button and things will happen right and as soon as I started doing songwriting and I as soon as I really as soon as I started like freelancing because I had already spent a a little over a year at that point recording and just releasing stuff on Spotify I was like how do I get my stuff on Spotify Mm -hmm. within a month of figuring out garage band and I was like I need to publish this stuff um I don't want it to rot forever it needs to be out in the world and I just started doing that I didn't know what my sound was didn't know where I was going and that first album was really like an experiment um and once it was out there I had the the naivety and cockiness to be like I'm gonna tour Nashville solo and so I did I'd like just cold called people and I was like I'll open for you for free please (laughs) like let me and (laughs) one person said yes who I'm now like I'm friends with and it's great and and ended up getting on a radio show down there and just like really was a persistent little you know, bugger, <laughs> just trying to get my just way in a little bee. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I did it. It was like, you know, I was only there for three or four days and I was, you know, just paying out of pocket and figuring out, okay, where the, where am I going? Who am I talking to? And I figured out how to find free housing and just like, don't know how I managed that because I was just so driven thinking mm-hmm. if I do this, I'm going to meet the right people. Mm-hmm. And it worked. I'm, I went to like nine shows in three days and met a ton of people. And it was like, oh, Nashville conquered. Awesome. Like, I feel like <laughs> I have people down there. I, and I've gone back multiple times and I have like a community down there now, which is awesome. And, um, you know, now I just need to do that for the rest of America. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but coming back, I, as soon as I, later that summer, that's when I got fired. That's when I started going freelance. That's where I was like, okay, I'm starting my vocal studio. That's when I'm doing my, um, you know, g- gigging and all that stuff. And I was fully booked within a week or two for the next couple months. And that's how I knew the button finally worked. Like yeah. Yeah. the resistance wasn't there anymore. It was all like, you know, gatekeepers that I just wasn't you know, about anymore. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause it's, I, I find it really interesting. Um, I think just before we go to our uh, go to break, um, I found it fascinating just to call back on something you mentioned earlier, you know, how, you know, the relentless self-promotion mm-hmm. took a lot out of you. And then I hear the story about like, yeah, I just picked up and went to Nashville and I just cold called and I went and did it. And it really reflected back on some of the ways I think about self-promotion as well. So I'm so, so bad at it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, because uh, there's something about a lot of like current, you know, the way some people are popping on, you know, TikTok and other social medias, it's repetition. It's they're driving one song, not once, not twice, not five or 20 or 50 times, a hundred separate TikToks just on one song. And it's driving it into the ground is where it goes. And as soon as I think about doing that, I just want to crawl into myself because I love the work of doing the process. I love making great things. Mm -hmm. But if I, every time I had to, you know, put out an episode, I had to post 20 times about it. I would never make another thing again Yeah, because like that sounds awful. But also at the same time, the people that do that are tend to be the ones that get seen more and Mm -hmm. it bothers me. And I know it's, the way things are, but it's still very hard. Yeah. I 100%. And you know, what's funny is like the, the, um, little music business person inside me, as soon as you started saying that, I was like, yeah, I need to do that for my next single. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I think a list of reels just appeared in your head. Like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. Seriously. No, that's what just happened. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, it's, it's incessant. I know I'm going to go home and make a whole list and then I'm, I'm not going to follow through on most of it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but at least we made the list. But at least we made it. It was a thought. It was the thought, the th- oh my God, it was the thought that counts. We've got words <laughs> yeah. down tonight. But it, it is, it is really hard. And it's, that's the stuff that 
is work. And people are like, oh yeah, that's just the other part of it. No, it's, it feels like so much more work than creating something that's unique and special. Yeah. It's that part that feels like work is the posting and the relentless stuff. And it's, I think people don't realize how much work it is until you have to say, oh man, I just did all the things I really wanted to do. Now I have to do the work. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to separate it. Yeah. Well, and there's kind of a leverage point there of like receding for a while. And then you come back and there's, there's this specialness of like, oh, where, where have you been? Like, what have you been up to? All of a sudden it's like Taylor Swift will make an album and then disappear for three years and then make an album. She does it more, you know, consistently, but it's that kind of idea of this ebb and flow that if we do have these like input output time periods, it's like, let's, let's make that a feature, not a bug where we can kind of like, let's pull away for a little bit. Kind of like the, where the Rochester winters actually do create that natural, like, Oh yeah, you know, ebb and yeah. flow. For and that's a little like while. a really good transition after we come back from the break because I think like one of the other leverage points is community, so we can talk about that. Nicely done. Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll take a break, uh, get a uh, ads from some of the other Lunchador Podcast Network members, and then we'll hear from the new band, the Rochester Winters. <laughs> Hey, this is Wade Reed with the Level Up Podcast. How do you take your coffee? What's your favorite espresso drink? Do you prefer washed process or natural process coffees? If any of these questions interest you, tune in to the Level Up Podcast presented by Nominate Meals on the Lunchador Podcast Network. We're looking at every link in the coffee supply chain from growing and processing to cafe life and home coffee brewing to find the topics that will enrich and maybe even stretch your experience of coffee. So have a listen, check us out on Instagram and Substack, and as always, enjoy your coffee. So you're talking about this, this marketing idea that marketing feels like the work around being an artist. Like, and I know as a freelancer, I've been a freelancer for 20 years in graphic design and other various industries that when I was a kid, I also felt that idea of someone is, someone else can be a plumber. Someone else can do the things that I don't want to do. And I think a lot of us are starting to realize that this like marketing and continuing to post and do all these like repetitive tasks that come alongside our art is is probably the equivalent of a utility that like someone who is the equivalent of a social media plumber could do. You know, it, it's harder to find those people who genuinely enjoy that because so many of us are doing that when we don't actually enjoy it. But part of what I at least hope with building this like podcast and and what Chris is doing with building the the network of podcasts here is that it will attract people who are like, oh, you're struggling with that? Actually, let me help you with that. Yeah. Or volunteer time or, you know, this is what I charge or whatever. And we can actually build a network of people around us to support artists so that we can keep doing the, the magic that you do, that I do, that Molly does, that Chris does, mm-hmm. and not doing as much of the grunt work. So mm-hmm. I figured that was a good segue into the community piece that we want to talk about Yeah, next. that's a great segue because it's like, yeah, that's another big piece. There's the creativity piece, right? And there's also the community, specifically the Rochester community, but like creative community, like what does it mean to us? What does it mean to you? Um, and also talking about that as a leverage point, like, cause we were just talking before the break, Chris was talking about, you know, self-promotion and how it's, it's a grind. And it's like, we're, it, it reminds me of how we're just really sold this idea of individualism and we're just not built to be that way. We're built to be in like nested community, mm-hmm. working in a village kind of a thing. And that's what this podcast network feels like to me. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to leverage the fact that we're all connected and we're all doing equal amount of mm-hmm. like push and pull you know yeah. and when someone needs to take a break they can and someone else can step in and like yeah. that's I think like community um creative collaboration is the next wave of how we're actually going to oh, yeah. remake all of it you know mm-hmm. and so I'm curious um how that resonates with you especially as a musician I know we're both part of the reason that we met each other is because we're both at Muck Duck yeah. Studio which is a creative collaboration space in Rochester too. You know, I, this question is a, is difficult for me because I don't even know how to go about being collaborative with music. And that sounds funny because most people are like, well, just be in a band or like jam or play music with people or just share your music. Good people. No, I'm at a place where like, I'm not just here to jam. I'm not, I'm not Mm -hmm. just a, this is a 
fun hobby. No, I'm mm-hmm. I'm a professional fucking musician. Yep. And I'm at a professional fucking level. And so most of the people I run into who are like, oh, I'm a musician too. I'm like, are you? Cool. Tell me about it. And like, I... And, and I'm so down. Like, yeah, that's like, who do you play with? What do you do? Oh, yeah, I like write songs too. Okay, cool. What do you do? And most of them are very much hobbyists. Like, and that's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that at all. I'm not trying to say that's invalid. It's absolutely valid. But when people are like, oh, we should collaborate, I usually say, okay, you know, you know just nicely. <laughs> uh-huh, all right. Because yeah. most of the time, I don't want to collaborate with most people because I'm very picky. And I'm looking for a higher caliber mm-hmm. because I'm like, it's a blessing and a curse to be highly trained yeah, <laughs> yeah. because that community shrinks massively. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I don't just want to hang out and jam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of the time jam sessions are actually incredibly excruciating for me mm-hmm. because most people who show up to a jam session or to an open mic are there to just to try things out and experiment. And that's what they're for. Absolutely. But I'm totally down for like, man, if there are professionals here, Let's jam because yeah. everyone knows what they're doing and they actually have their listening ears on, mm-hmm. which is, I think, the biggest thing as a mu- professional musician. You got to have your listening ears. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing you learn as you learn music. Um, when, you know, for those listening who want to be better musicians, learn how to listen. Mm-hmm. Learn how to listen. Uh, you're going to be hired way more often if you know how to listen. Yeah. But I will also say when it comes to the, the business aspect. So here I am, Sally Louise. That's my brand. Mm-hmm. That's my music. That's who I am as a singer songwriter. Uh, I want my marketing team. I want my booking team. I want like a team of people to back me up. And I'm at that place now where I'm looking for those people to help. Um, and that's partly where I am pivoting is now like, okay, I may not have those people yet in my life, but considering how things have changed in my life over the last year and the people I've met and one person in particular who I've met that I've collaborated with quite a lot, Mm -hmm. uh, who's kind of changed my life, not kind of like drastically changed my life, (laughs) (laughs) who shall remain nameless on the the podcast. (laughs) Um, A magical secret. A a magical secret. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'll just say, I'll just say my private life is private, but, um, but this is, but all I'll say (laughs) is, um, all I'll say is, you know, as far as the work goes, as far as the music goes, I'm like, I feel like I'm on the brink of something very big. And yeah. I'm just like, I have to pull together my re- own resources mm-hmm. and figure out what my communal resources are, who are my people who are going to like stick with me through this and who aren't. And right now I feel like I'm in the shakeout. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people in my life who I thought were there are not there. Yeah. And a lot of the people who I didn't expect to be there are there. Uh, and yeah. so it's just exciting and good. And, and it's, it's the shakeout right now. And um, re- reminding myself that the shakeout can take some time. Yeah. So try not to rush it, I guess. But um, letting myself, you know, doing fall cleaning, mm-hmm. both literally and figuratively in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I really appreciate how you... Um, talked so much about being a professional and how it is really different from mm, being very a different. hobbyist um, because that's actually our focus on this podcast that was why I wanted you to be our first interview oh, actually <laughs> yeah. is because our Sets whole focus yeah hey. our so focus is professional creatives and the difference is like in in focus in drive and skill set in you know like one of the reasons that I love our, the studio that we're part of Muck Duck is that it's professionals. Like we all yeah. go in and it's quiet. No one's interrupting each other. We're all working. You know, we've yeah. got like podcasters and visual artists and musicians and it's like, we're all working. We're all, we've all got goals. We're focused. And so, yeah, I'm curious about, about the professionals who are working in Rochester. Cause I know there are a lot of us and I'm hoping that one of the byproducts of this podcast is that we'll hear each other's oh, yeah. voices and someone will listen and be like, Oh, finally, I've been waiting to hear mm-hmm. of another professional musician who's <laughs> actually a professional who wants to do the thing. Yeah, totally. you know? Well, and I love that you basically highlighted the smuggle of the word collaboration sometimes where oh, someone yeah. is basically saying, let's collaborate, but really there's almost like an exploitative aspect to it yeah, or can be. It can be. I know that as a graphic designer for 20 years, it's like people will come to me and they're just like, essentially they're saying collaborate, but they're kind of saying, let's, let's work for free on this, <laughs> on this project. That's my idea. You, you know, I've had that so many times happen yeah. and I'm, 
I'm sure it's the same case. So there is this important, like basically, but what both of you are saying, this, this important distinction between, you know, building a team and building a support system and, and getting to know people who are ambitious and want to build their own career. Cause it's, it's also, I mean, I want to call out that it is a brave act to say like, no, I'm a professional. Like this is, this is where I am. This is my training. This is my caliber. This is my story. This is what I'm aiming for. This is where I want to stay. This is the level I'm shooting for. Like, I I think that's, I think that's important for artists that we're talking to at the very least. Like, I think it's important for us to be able to say that. Yeah. You know, I, I feel lately over the last year and maybe it's because um, the beauty of Makdak is simultaneous, like professionals are there and also it's open to the public at, you know, certain events and whatnot mm-hmm. to be totally free form experimental. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it balances both of those things, which is amazing. But in the past year with Makdak changing and growing and like feeling this push and pull of, you know, community being in a community versus not and like, you know, I need to isolate and feeling guilty about doing that because I'm not like meeting all these people that apparently I need to know or what I you know. <laughs> um, but I, I will say there's like shame around being a professional at times mm-hmm. when, you know, there's so many people, it comes a dime a dozen people who play the guitar or who like to write songs or who are in a band or whatever doesn't mean you're good. Doesn't mean <laughs> you're someone I actually want to work with and mm-hmm. want to collaborate or actually want to like network with and build something with. Right. But, um, I will say like something I've struggled with recently is just been the shame around owning being a professional or owning my caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think people talk about that very much yeah. because it takes a lot of confidence and you can't fake it. Mm-hmm. And at times the growing pains make you feel like, I don't know, I don't feel comfortable saying, yeah, I, I am this or yeah. I'm aiming for this mm-hmm. because then it shuts a lot of doors off because, again, a dime a dozen. There's yeah. hobbyists everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's not the issue. The issue is finding the right people. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a lot of discouragement or rejection of that's not the person. That's not the person. That's not that person. Nope. Uh, nope. Ah, there's one. Right. There's one. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then you go through like 20 more people that you meet and, you know, they might be friends, become friends with you, but they might not be a collaborator with yeah. you, you and know? Like, and I resonate so deeply with that because the necessity to say no multiple mm-hmm. times is also, like, for the benefit of being, like, no, like, I have a list of nevers, right, that are is slowly growing that actually makes my work better and better because it's, like, refining yeah. what my style is, what my collaborative parameters are, yeah. what my professional parameters are. That means I have to say no to a lot of good things oh, yeah. for the best things, and it's lonely. And, oh, like, yeah. I so resonate with the shame around that, too, because there's almost, like, this fear of tall poppy syndrome especially in like a small <laughs> city like Rochester oh, yeah. where it's yeah. like oh are 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 the hobbyists going to come after me <laughs> you yeah. know or is somebody going to like think that I these think elitist that, artists <laughs> yeah. what an asshole she is like, I'm like yeah yeah oh, no. there's like fear, fear the of being judged you know fear of selling out all of that good stuff yeah. you know that comes along with it yeah and it's you know I because there's a lot of that that really echoes with the way I think about things because I, I go into everything as a nerd first. That's, <laughs> I, like, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. that. That's how I approach everything. Cause I, it's hard for me not to care really deeply about things I get into. Mm-hmm. And when I go into things, I might not know a lot at the beginning, but I will work with the experts. You know, I'll find the experts and if they're willing to share, I will just be a sponge and I'll take all of it yeah. and become a casual expert. I never call myself a full expert just because of, industry level experts that I associate with, Mm -hmm. but I resonate with that so much because I struggle all the time when I hear something that's not good. Cause I know all the different ways that it's bad (laughs) and I can see the passion at the same time. Like I know that they're trying and I know that you're trying to be good and I can see the roots of it. I want to mentor and I want to help, but it's also a lot. It never stops. Mm -hmm. Um, But what, what I did want to say is there's the other side of really being an expert at something or knowing things truly and being a nerd about them is there's a specific kind of joy when you, when something comes up and you're like, I know all the reasons why this is great. 
Yeah. It's not just it's not just oh this hit me in a certain way when it's you can hear you can hear somebody being a master at their thing. Right? You know, they're they're you can see all the threads that they're grabbing because you know where those threads are coming from. Because mm. you can both hear the emotion in it and you can hear the reaction and you can hear the other stuff, but the technical superiority you can hear because you know how what it takes to get yeah. there and you know what it takes and there's there's a certain kind of joy about it that I don't want to lose. Yeah, you know how to listen. Cuz it's special. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. I yeah, it's like yeah, you, I know how to listen and mm-hmm. I, I have to find another musician who knows how to listen. Yeah. Or and how cool is it when you do? It's so cool. Like it's so magical. It it's is like, magical. It's that intersection of skill and experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, when people hear professionals trying to set a, a bar or set a tone, it's it, it's this assumption that there's this elitist arbitrary line being drawn, but really it's 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 a measure of of experience and skill development. When those two things come together, you know, your the bar of what is considered a flow state for you just changes. It just changes. What is considered new and challenging is very different compared to someone showing in who showing up who's just played the guitar for a year and they want to jam. It's like that might be boring relative to someone's experience. That's a really good point. I find myself currently in that place where like my level of flow has changed Mm -hmm. and I don't easily get into flow with most people or even even on my own. Again, I feel like I'm in musical hibernation right now, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm putting like my energy into sewing or into crocheting or into like right now I like took a part-time job refinishing furniture because it's just like keeps my hands busy and mm-hmm. it just helps me keep that mental spaciousness. Mm-hmm. And s- especially since I'm not performing, I was like, I need to put this energy somewhere. Yeah and take the pressure off of music and so that way I can get back into flow state again mm-hmm. and I don't know I don't know when that will happen when that will be there's that part of me that's I'm never gonna write a song again <laughs> but <laughs> that's I know kind of part true. of the fallow season though too yeah. you're like you look at the winter season and you're like well It'll it's gonna never be sp- this way forever yeah no more leaves it's gonna be gray no for, for nine months probably in Rochester but the sun will come out again and actually what you were talking about with keeping your hands busy with like, I love that you've been doing like making clothes and crocheting and refinishing furniture and doing all this stuff. And it actually reminds me of a quote I just heard recently from Joni Mitchell where she was talking about how she, she called it rotating crops. She was just like, I just rotate the, so like I never, I'm never empty because if I'm empty on song making or songwriting, I will paint. Or if I can't paint, I'll go back to songwriting or I'll crochet. I'll do. And it's like, it sounds like artists with a capital I've noticed have that kind of crop rotation in order to keep fi- filling their souls up. It's oh, like they yeah. don't do just one thing, right? Yeah, and I, I think in uh, you know our one of our uh, sister podcasts, uh, Behind the Glass in the Gallery, it's been fascinating to see some of the higher profile artists in Rochester go in with stuff that people don't know them for. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I think one was uh, like Mike Delaria like, came yeah. in. So Mike Delaria, who's ev- almost everybody knows, but nobody knows him. They know his they know his profile. They know Delarius. You know, they see his store at the public market. They see his, you know, art all over Rochester. And then, you know, he brings something completely different because that's what that work keeps him okay to do the work of now producing what is, you know, one of the signature styles of Rochester. It's one of the defining art styles of Rochester right now is what he's doing. And it was fascinating to meet him under the circumstance of him coming in talking about the other stuff he does and like seeing like just how nervous he was like, wait, you're you're defining like the visual style of Rochester with what you're doing. And like, you're scared to talk about the other stuff you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it really, those kind of, that struck me Mm -hmm. because it's having that outlet was the thing that kept him able to do the other stuff. And it's, it's really it's really invigorating to see that too, mm-hmm. that everybody needs that. It's not just, it's yeah. not you, not you. It's not you. It's not you. It's everybody yeah. needs to like have that other thing or something else to just like, huh, okay. And now back, now back <laughs> yeah. to the other stuff. Yeah. It's really encouraging to see other people who are really respected in their field, just come out and say, yeah, I don't do this all the time. 
Like I physically yeah. can't. You're like, oh yeah, you're human too. Oh, thank right. God. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, yeah. I don't like, have oh, a We're all yeah. human and we all get sick of stuff. Yeah. Like. You know, <laughs> there's people who like would say, at least in the songwriting community, how do you write good songs? You need to write every single day. You need to write every day. I think like that's cool for little bits of time. Mm-hmm. But if you do that every day, you're just going to just hate yourself right like <laughs> what are you gonna write about what are you, if seriously? you're not living life there's yeah, yeah there's a degree of that because uh-huh. i think i heard once on like a comedian's podcast or something it's like if you're not actually like living life and having stories to talk about then you're just going to do comedy about comedy and nobody or really comedy wants to about touring or comedy about the business side right. like, like no one's going to relate more to it. airplane jokes yeah <laughs> same thing with like uh man this is a slight tangent on this but like right now i'd say most of the songs that are published on Spotify that I have, album, singles, an EP, they're all coming from like a sad, sad girl part of my life. Mm-hmm. I was just a very sad girl when I wrote them. And <laughs> now I am very happy, wildly happy, so happy, it's stupid. And I'm so <laughs> grateful. Thank God. Thank God. Um, horrible songwriting material. <laughs> like, well, I mean, unless, you just haven't figured out how to write songs yeah. from that place yet. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad you said it because I was, Christian and I were talking before we started recording and I was like, if it doesn't go there naturally, we have to ask Sally about the transition from sad girl songs to happy girl songs. Cause I oh, know yeah. that we talked about that a little bit yeah. at the last gig so, that we did. Oh yeah. So like to, 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 go off of that the bank of songs that i'm sitting on it's like eight or nine songs um i (laughs) that are like recorded ready to go and there's so many more that i want to record um a lot of them were written from a happy girl's point of view um about sad things or about like things that were very fragile like i didn't know if they would last or whatever you know um and there are songs that are meant to be, you know, I was coming from this place of I'm going to write songs that people could dance to or like move in their chair to or you know, nod their head even mm-hmm. um, just while they're listening on the bus or whatever. Um, and that's been a really, that was a really fruitful exercise for myself mm-hmm. to say, oh yeah, I want danceable songs. But now I'm like, okay, so I've done that. I, I want to continue doing that, but I need like totally new inspiration. I don't even know what to write about. I don't know what I want to talk about. I don't want it to be just like sickeningly sweet or <laughs> like contrived. Like I, and that's the thing is like, how do you write a happy song? That's Rain not. drops have fallen yeah, on my I think I can, but you can hear it right when you're yeah. talking about it. Cause it's, it, you know, it's, it's emanating, right? You can see when you're talking about being happy, like it's earnest, right? There's oh, no, totally. there's no artifice to that. Oh, yeah. I think the difference though is like, we don't sing how we speak. Yeah. And I think that goes into, sure. that goes into a different realm. I don't know how many of you at the table are musicians or have that musical mm. um, like impetus, but it, it that's like the refined part of like, okay, how do I actually make a happy song? And if this was like a songwriting podcast specifically, we could totally get into that. But like, yeah. um, <laughs> that's the that's the trouble I'm having is it's like, I man, I can write a sad song any day. But, <laughs> but I mean, isn't that like? I mean, you've, you're almost defining what you want to talk about while we're mm-hmm. talking about it. No, it's true. You're yeah. almost defining that you want to talk about the struggles of being happy. Because <laughs> it's oh. like you're, you're, okay. saying, you're, okay. kind of, you're kind of defining <laughs> in many ways, like this is what you're really working through. This is the challenge, right? The challenge is how, how do I be happy and right. be a creative at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. Because you're right. Like misery brings a certain kind of, clarity yeah <laughs> because like there's the only path is not be this right. not not yeah, not the only this. path is up this yeah. is bad this is bad but now yeah. there's so many different ways of being so many different ways of being happy the struggles mm-hmm. of being happy right. honestly happy like, but isn't that scary. kind of but, true. but I, true. when i hear you talking about it it's it's very clear to me that that's exactly what you're working through is how how do i do this but that's that's a fascinating topic in of itself. True. And it's a hard topic to talk about because not many people talk about it. No. Um, yeah. And it, and I think that's the other thing is as a songwriter, I never want to get into the cliches. It's really um, easy to fall into the cliche of like, oh my God, I'm so happy. This, I can't believe this, this ha- came into my life and I'm just, oh, I'm just, you know, like I, you get into the, 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 the schmaltzy, like love, yeah lovey-dovey yeah. like mushy yeah. gushy happiness like almost like as an artist as a writer you're trying you're in a season of like 
frustration with the shallow words and trying to like find yeah. a way to sink down into like the more specific like the deeper stuff words yeah because I like, resonate with that too as a writer yeah, and, like, like wanting to talk about like the deeper you don't want to just talk about love you want to talk about like the deeper stuff underneath it you don't want to talk about the obsession the butterflies you want to talk about the stuff underneath it yeah. and it's hard to define the stuff underneath it because to tell you the truth I feel like the mundane little things are the things that I want to talk about but it's like, hard yeah. to like it's hard to talk about the little things in a songwriting perspective that really packs a punch. Yeah. And that's why I'm struggling with currently, I guess is like, that's what's percolating in the back of my mind okay. in my little like crop rotation. Yeah. Um, and you know what? That's actually a perfect segue to my last question, which is like, what are you curious about right now? What's like wetting your appetite with the creative process in this moment? Honestly, sewing. Yeah. Like <laughs> not focusing on music, not performing at all, not doing anything. I haven't picked up my guitar for a long time. To tell you the truth, I haven't practiced in months. Even though I've been gigging, mm -hmm. I haven't practiced for like three or four months and mm -hmm. it's bad. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have my calluses anymore on my fingers really, but um, Ooh, that's, that's going to be fun. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, it'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> it'll be great. Um, but I've been really fascinated. My great, my grandmother was a fashion designer. She went to fashion design school and she was a seamstress and then she got married and had six kids. Whoops. So, um, <laughs> she, her I life changed it. a little bit, but my, I feel like it, it didn't skip a generation necessarily. Cause my mom also knows how to sew and she taught me how to sew, but like, and she's a quilter. So it kind of developed differently for her. But for me, clothing is, I think that fascination skipped a generation and I'm really fascinated in it all of a sudden and I have been for a while but I got my sewing machine all fixed up this summer and that's been the thing that's been really inspiring me is like going back to her old sketches mm -hmm. and even though she's not with us anymore her sketches from like the 50s you know like wow. and it, it's so cool and I kind of want to recreate them into real life because they were never made mm -hmm. um and making my own sketches and making my own creations and that's kind of where I'm putting my creative energy right now is like resurrecting a very old part of my DNA. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So um, that's what's inspiring me a lot lately. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that. I mean, I, I feel like it's a process and I think many of us go through this where it's just like trying to extract, like how am I a creative person <laughs> and not just like this creative specific skill, mm -hmm. you know, like if I'm not a how musician, what a am I? Life? Yeah, it's like if I'm, for me, I mean, for, for me, <laughs> for me, I've been personally like trying to extract like, what am I if I'm not a graphic designer? And I'm trying to do more podcast hosting and I've hosted a mental wellness open mic night at MuckDuck and I'm trying to do more like entertainment-y things and I'm, I'm like trying to expand, you know, the different avenues of what I do as a creative person. And it's just like, there's almost like this interdependence phase I think we have to really go through. Not phase, not it's not that it's temporary, oh, but it's like, you, you know what I mean? Like create some distance from the thing that we think we were right. yeah. as a creative person and yeah. explore what all the other possibilities are. And maybe we end up going back to that first thing. Yeah, you know what's funny but. is that this feels like a callback to me of our, our first episode we recorded when we were just you and I and Chris were talking about Rochester and uh -huh. how with Rochester as a city, it's been really important for people to leave <laughs> and then yeah. come back to really appreciate, <laughs> you know, the, the density of it and like the depth. And it feels like that's kind of resonating mm -hmm. with the creative process in a meta kind of way where it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. you have to leave for a while and put something down mm -hmm. and that's the way that you really appreciate it and so yeah. I think it's really really beautiful how you're doing that in your own creative process Ellie and I really appreciate you being on the show with us and talking about your process um and last thing is just how can people find you where th where can they find you if yeah. you want to be found absolutely right I want to be found um <laughs> please find me <laughs> Please enjoy all the things I've created, please. <laughs> no, um, but you not can, like at the grocery store. No, uh, don't find me at the grocery store. No, uh, I like my privacy. Wegmans, no, I, uh, <laughs> no, you if you if you recognize me in person, I've I've had people come up to me. Are you Sally? And I'm like, Hi, who are you? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I don't bite unless you want me to, but you'll have to pay extra for that. So. <laughs> Part of the creative life. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, um, you can find my music on Spotify or Apple Music. I'm Sally Louise. I'm the only one out there, as far as I know. Um, and you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Sally Louise Sings, and my website, SallyLouiseSings.com. I got an email newsletter on there, which I like to lean 
on a lot more than social media. So if you want to know the shows that are coming up and all the really amazing good things that I can't talk about on this podcast, <laughs> but Secrets. we'll be able to talk about in the new year, yeah. um, you can sign up on there as well. So. Thank you so it, much, Sally. And we'll have to have you back on the show to yeah. talk more about the secrets later. Oh, yeah. The secrets. The secrets. Secret time. Secrets. Secrets. And the studio door. Secrets. This has been a presentation of the Lunchador Podcast Network. Album drop. The bongos at the end of the oh, best damn. part. That was a hot exit. <laughs> <laughs>